Hey everyone, my name is Stephanie and welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, Sex Ed for the Latinx Millennial Parent. This week we have platicas with Sexo y Todo Eso. For each platica, we're interviewing our close friends, families, and partners to hear about their experiences with sex ed. So tune in every other week as we make space for these important conversations. Hi, my name is Stephanie, and welcome to Platicas con Sexo y Todo Eso. Today is our last Platica of Season 1, and I have with me one of my dear friends, um, and I want to thank them for being here today. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, your background. Hi, um, yeah, so I live in a suburb of Austin, and I was born here in the U.S., but I come from Mexican parents. And yeah. So what was your experience with um, sex ed, the talk? Who did you have these conversations with? I didn't I didn't really have those conversations, I would say. I, I guess the the most I ever spoke with anyone about it was in school. Um. I remember it was in fifth grade when um, I had, I believe that's when I had my first like health education class, sex education. And it was mainly um, about our periods. I don't really remember them going over like how to have sex or anything. Um, They separated us into boys and girls and... Who knows what went on in the boys section, but in the girls section, they just went over how to like use pads, um, what the period was, and I don't think I really captured much of what was saying. It was all very abstract to me because I remember years later when I actually got my period, I was super confused about the entire thing, so... Um, but yeah, that's that's the first time that anything regarding sex education was brought up. And then um, I think it was in eighth grade when we touched on the topic again. We were in science class and this might be a false memory or somewhat of a false memory, but I just remember... I, my science teacher, this older guy, he was like in his 50s maybe, this older white man, putting on a, a, a sh- video and he told us that it was his wife giving birth. What? And it was the entire thing. Like he, he yeah, it was, it was the, it was a very explicit oh video my. of a child being born. You could see the head and everything and the opening um, I don't know if it was real that it was his wife or he was just, you know, trolling us, but we were all very disturbed. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a quirky guy. He was a very quirky guy and overall a great science teacher, but I don't know that that was the best way to like in- introduce mm. the whole thing to us. Um, I don't even know if it was part of like a sex ed thing. I don't maybe he just decided to I don't know what really would happen, but yeah, I remember watching that and the whole class was just 
going crazy. We didn't know what to think of it. Especially thinking or believing that that was his wife and his child was being born. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit awkward. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you remember having to sign a permission slip or anything like that or any backlash from parents? Uh, no, not for that class. I remember in for fifth grade, I believe we did have to have a permission slip, but that was in, that was in Arizona when I had Mm -hmm. my, like the formal sex ed, um, or the puberty talk. This whole video thing with my science teacher was here in Texas in Austin. Um, I don't remember having to sign one. If I had to have one signed, I probably forged a signature because by then I I was like the dedicated um, signature person in my family. Like every time my parents needed something signed or filled out, I was the one to do that. So (laughs) yeah, who knows? And was was that mainly more because your parents are immigrants and you're Im- you're an immigrant yourself also, right? Yeah, well, define immigrants. Yes, my parents definitely are immigrants. They came straight they're they're from Mexico. They were born and raised in Mexico and came here to the US very late in life. I was born in the US though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess I'm a child of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, but I I yeah, I w- they didn't speak English. Well, my mom especially didn't speak English all that well, and I, I was always the one to help them um, translate any documents, mm-hmm. like legal, do- doctors, school papers. I was always the one to translate and fill it out for them. So by then, it was just normal that I was going to be the one to expect it, even that I was going to be the one to um, fill out anything that mm-hmm. needed to be filled out for school. Okay. And so you're talking about these experiences from a school school perspective, and I'm curious to know how it was like uh, having these conversations, or if you didn't have these conversations within your family. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't have these conversations at all. Um, I don't think any of my siblings got the talk, really. Uh, the most I remember my parents going into it and and really it was my mom it was the saying um like make sure you're respecting yourself and you command that respect i guess from the other it's like men's it's implied that we were Mm -hmm. talking about men here like make sure you're not just um going out and having sex and letting men do all these things to you. That the, That's all of that was implied in that saying, but that's as far as the sex talk went. N- nothing ever was mentioned on body parts, none of that. I didn't, I didn't discover I had a, I had like a vagina until I was 12 years old because I was doing my own exploration back then. Like, oh, what is this? And then like, whoa, mm-hmm. what in the world just happened in there? Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't learn any of this from my parents. So it was all, it was all from school. Um, and it was, it wasn't very, a very thorough lesson in Mm -hmm. school either. Uh, At one point I did have like a health class. I think that was in an 11th grade in high school. Um, 
but I don't really remember going over mm-hmm. anything. So all my all my sex education prior to college came from just my own explorations and TV. I did at one point start watching like um, racy shows that I wasn't allowed to watch. And uh, novelas, novelas. Yes, I we actually were big into novelas when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and then the grown up novelas, but also the kid novelas. They had kid novelas back in the day, where that's you know, some of them were geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. Um, novelas, yeah, so you gotta learn how to, or what, what, what I thought was uh, making out back then how to do that um mm-hmm. but then my parents became more religious as I grew up and even those were not allowed in the house anymore mm. so it was yeah it was it was from tv shows from eventually I got a computer and we got internet uh, but that wasn't until way later mm-hmm. um, we were late to getting the whole internet thing and that wasn't until way, way later in in my teenage years. And once we did get internet and I started going online and exploring more there, I did get into some pretty, un, something I shouldn't have been into. You know, I don't know if you remember or ever went into those chat rooms. Like um, AOL chat rooms? Kind of, yeah. And I did go into those. I, I guess it was those as well. I remember my cousins and I, and um, this was in Mexico when we had to go to like internet cafes. Mm-hmm. We would go to these chat rooms and um, talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. And it was always, it uh, the conversations always turned sexual because mm-hmm. it was mainly men, like grown men, or at least that's what the, it is you know that's what they said in their bios or whatever it was grown men chatting with like 14 year olds and we were just you know we, we thought we were cool we were pretending to be older mm-hmm. but yeah we thought we were cool and um but i did that some of that on my own too like chatting with freaking 40 year olds um and yeah it was it it, it was not a the proper way to go about it but I guess I was I was kind of in a way starred for for knowledge I was so curious about what was going on and why it was so taboo that I was just seeking out information Mm -hmm. and and all in in whatever way I could find it and at the time it was that yeah yeah and so you talked about how your mom, the main message you got from your mom was tata respetar. Were there any other main messages or takeaways? Apart from that, I mean, I don't, my dad would, was very overprotective. So he would not allow me to even, the, the thought that I was even thinking about boys caused him to go into kind of a rage. Mm-hmm. Um, he would constantly tell me about just warn me of the dangers of getting involved with with boys with men um cursing at them as he taught me this lesson like the the men are looking for one thing only and and that's it like just 
don't go around looking for anything. So I didn't, yeah, because of that, I was super sheltered and I didn't end up um, dating until I was like 16, 17. And even then it was such a shame and it was, it, it, it felt shameful to even try to date. Um, Cause my dad was just super, just overprotective. Funny mm-hmm. thing is though, that, um, he was just constantly worried about me having boyfriends and I ended up turning out, you know, kind of gay. <laughs> so I'm married <laughs> to a woman now. Uh, he was not expecting that at all. Yeah. But no, no, I, I was, I was just trying to think of any other messages I, I got, but for my parents, I think that was the main one. My dad was just, don't, just don't get involved with men. They're only looking for one thing. And of course, they never specified what the thing was. I, it was just known that it was sex. Um, and for my mom is, not that respetar. Make sure you're respecting yourself. And that also means don't go around having sex. Um, mm-hmm. My my whole family, I feel like, is pretty conservative when it comes to that, including my my relatives. Um, my grandma was very much the type to dress very conservatively and expect me, for some reason, expect me. And I don't think she had that expectation of all of her grandchildren, but she really expected me to dress like an old lady, basically. She didn't <laughs> want me wearing shorts. She didn't want me wearing spaghetti straps. Um, she would call me impure if I remember one time I was, yeah, she would, I remember I was like, I don't know, like 13 years old or something and spaghetti straps were the the thing then. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was wearing those and she just went off on me about how they're, uh, young people nowadays don't have any Mm. morals and blah, blah. And Yeah. Funnily, my aunt, my great aunt, who's a nun, um, was there with us when my my grandmother was going off on me. And she's like, let her live. She's young. She's she's okay. She's not hurting anyone. So my nun, the one I expected would be the harshest, ended up Mm -hmm. defending me. But but yeah, no. uh, The message or what I internalized was... Sex is bad, and mm-hmm. you don't talk about it. You don't mm-hmm. even think about it. Yeah. And so you kind of mentioned that, you know, you ended up uh, dating women and you you married a woman. How did your family take that or respond to that, if you can share? Uh, they didn't respond all that well. Uh I think my mom, at least my mom, I don't know if my dad, but my mom had a, had a, had a feeling that there was something different about me from very early on. Mm. So I remember when I was still in high school, she's like, do you like, do you not like men? Do you not like boys? And of course I was like, why are you asking me? It was, I was just, it's not something that mm. we really talked about ever. So I was like, no, I I don't like anyone, and I, so I didn't come out and outright and say it. And but it, but since then, I was like sixteen years old, seventeen, when she asked me this. Um, so I think she had a feeling since then. 
When I did come out, though, it was in my early 20s. And initially, the when, that same night I told her, um, she she was supportive. She was like, your dad and I still love you. It's okay. And she, I was crying, and she sat down with me and hugged me. Um, and that was it. Yeah, a few months went by, and I started dating um, my current wife. And she, I think then it became a little too real for her. Mm. Uh, I, I think the idea of being gay is, it was kind of uh, a, a theory for her, like mm-hmm. a theoretical thing, not something that was going to happen or not something I was supposed to act on. Uh, but when I did act on it, when I did start dating, um, it just became too real for her. And she told me I was going to hell and we stopped. I moved out shortly after that. Um, we stopped talking for some time and you slowly, we started to kind of rebuild our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's never been true acceptance. It's always been kind of, a tolerating that part of me Mm -hmm. um and not even tolerating just kind of ignoring it kind of Mm. ignoring the fact that I exist and separating the part that they want from my homosexual part Mm -hmm. Um, yeah they're just super religious both of my parents are um and and in their their belief system, it's okay to be gay as long as you're not acting on it. Mm-hmm. So, I guess by that they mean just be with, just be gay, but don't have a partner, mm-hmm. don't have sex, don't have thoughts about it, or yeah, almost like so it was rough. Yeah, almost like don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly like that. As long as you're not showing it to anyone, you're you're fine. And make sure you're confessing and um, I was gonna say participating in church activities along the uh, along with whatever you're doing in life. But no, not even that because you can't. You can't really confess that away. Mm -hmm. It doesn't count. Um, Yeah, slowly my mom, after many years, has become much more, uh, I guess I'll I'll say accepting, but she's she's a little bit more open-minded. My dad still has a long way to go. Um, Not that I expect him to Mm -hmm. change his views on it, or really either of them. I've kind of just accepted that they're going to be this way for however long they live. Mm-hmm. Um, just living with that that expectation has made my life a little bit easier because I'm not constantly trying to um, struggle against their beliefs, like change their beliefs or get them to accept me fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm sorry that you've had to go through that because, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, your parents, for one, you know, never really talked about sex and sexuality and sexual health and having to deal with this other intersection 
of sexual health. Um, that's also very taboo. Probably even more taboo yeah. um, in our culture. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you can, you know, at least you're kind of implying sex, that there's sex going on in hetero- heterosexual relationships, mm-hmm. but then you bring in gayness into it. And it's like, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they don't know how to handle that part. So they they don't know how to handle either part, but less so the the queer the queer one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And so do you think your gender played a role in how your parents talked to you about sex? And I know you mentioned you have some siblings as well. Um, Like what about your siblings of another sex or gender? Yeah, I don't think they ever – I have two brothers um, and a sister. They're all younger. I don't think any of them ever got – the sex talk or anything like it. it but I do know that my dad has been the same way with my sister as she is with or as she was with me uh, very protective of her and and my mom my I, yeah I think because my sister and I are both women uh, the messaging is similar Whereas my brothers, they're they're men, so they're not. They didn't even get any any warning, even because us women got the warnings, you know, like don't have sex, it's bad. But my brothers didn't even get that. Uh, and then you mm. throw into the mix that my younger brother is gay, so it's like, what do they do with? Mm-hmm. I don't. They haven't talked about it. Uh, my brother has not come out to them, but it's very obvious. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm sure my mom knows. She actually did bring it up to me one time. Like she was kind of teary eyed and asked, "What if your brother's gay?" Like, well, if he's gay, he's gay. What are you gonna do about it? You want him to? Yeah. <laughs> be alive, or you want him to kill himself? Like, what do you? What would you prefer? You want to have accept a gay son, or you want to accept a gay dead son? He's like, no. It's, yeah, I'm just saying. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, so they have quite a few, (laughs) unfortunately, complicated conversations (laughs) to have with uh, all these gay children. Yeah. And so do you think that your mom has had a harder time knowing that you're or suspecting that your brother is gay in comparison to maybe your experience? So has it been harder on her knowing that my brother is gay than if me being gay? Yeah. I really don't know. I think in a way, um, me coming out and living openly um, as gay kind of opened the path for my brother so that it's not Mm -hmm. so shocking anymore to, to my mom. And my dad, I'm sure he knows too. So so I think that kind of lessened the blow a little bit that I came out and that they know that I'm gay has uh, sort of prepared them um, for my brother. But typically, it's it's more shameful to be a gay man 
to have a gay son or at least that's that's what it feels and that's what what I've kind of noticed it's more shameful to have a gay son than it is to have a gay daughter mm-hmm. it's with with men there's all these stereotypes I mean not with women too but with men there's kind of the the machismo you, you're mm-hmm. expected to be strong and um uh like mujeriego almost not with everyone but you're expected to be just super manly hyper masculine mm-hmm. and it's such an insult to to be a gay man to that use that as an insult in in spanish like marica mm-hmm. very openly um, so I think overall it is more difficult for them to accept a gay son than it is to accept a gay daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying this, like I was thinking, I think part of it is also like, like the part of like having children, like furthering the family line or whatever. That, that too. Yeah, you're supposed to, con- you know, as a woman, you you inherit mm-hmm. your husband's last name, so you don't really get to continue the line. But as a man, you you carry the family's last name into the future generations, and when you're gay, it's not as easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Still doable, but not very easy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's like the end of a generation whenever that happens. Yeah, definitely. It's like all these stereotypes about men and machismo is like almost exacerbated, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything specific, but just from the messaging that you get mm-hmm. as you're growing up, it does feel like it would be much more... Yeah, I guess just shameful to be a gay man. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm thinking of, like, my aunts, my aunts, and how they're, like, they seek out, or not seek out, but they're, they see gay men as, like, the life of the party mm-hmm. and one of the girls. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that's only if if the gay man is not their relative their brother their son their relative right if it's a friend outside then sure go ahead the the gayer the merrier mm-hmm. unless you're a family member yeah then it's not not acceptable they compartmentalize for sure mm-hmm. um so how do you think your culture has affected your experience um with sex sexual health well, I, I think it's partly the culture, but also intertwined with religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a very Mexican, very traditional Catholic family. And that has created a lot of like secrecy, a lot of silencing. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about, we're not, we're not, we're not, I guess... We're just not very open about these topics. Um, yeah, we just don't talk about these things. I was telling my friend the other day that you're expected to be in a marriage 
stay in your marriage regardless of what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, how much abuse is going on. Um, and that's partly due to traditions. Like, right. Marriage is sacred and you don't end that. Like divorce yeah. is and not an answer. It's not okay. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not okay at all. And partly because of the culture and partly because of religion. I think that one is probably mainly religion. But it is it just creates like this massive veil of secrecy of shamefulness. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about these topics. I don't know that I Yeah, I just, I just really can't remember a time when an adult had a an educational conversation with me about puberty about sex about any of this because it was i don't know it was just something you don't talk about mm-hmm. yeah and it's from way back in the day later on years after i started my period my mom was telling me about um how they used to wear pads made out of cloth they would make their own pads and her my grandma my mom's mom was just very cold towards her about the whole experience and not having any like like no compassion for what my Mm -hmm. mom was going through during that time she didn't get the talk either basically and my mom said this in a, in a kind of in a, see, you have it better than I do. I had to make my mm. own pads. At least you have your, you can buy yours. So it was in a sort of um, reprimanding way. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be complaining because I was probably complaining about something then. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just passed on from generations. You just don't talk about it. Yeah, definitely. And so... Speaking of passing it on, um, is there anything from your experience that you would like to replicate as a caring adult or a potential parent? Yeah, so I don't plan to become a parent. Um, I have my two younger siblings who are much younger than me, and... I haven't, I think it's, there's still a lot of that, that shame that's been passed on to me mm-hmm. that hasn't allowed me to speak very openly to them about um, these topics, but I'd like to, and I've tried to, to at least open the door to the discussion in, in the past. So I'd just like to have I guess a more welcoming attitude. Um, mm-hmm. And just to talk about it, regardless of how, how I'm feeling, because it's, yeah, it's important to have these discussions. I have a, a little niece, my partner's um, little niece, and I hope that she's still very young. She's like five years old, but I hope that in the future when she does have questions or you know, any concerns come up, I hope that she can feel comfortable enough to go go to me and bring it up. Um, I try to do that with my with my own f- brother and sister, but I think being family that close very close family has made things a little more awkward. So I did bring up um, 
and condoms and prep and hey there's this community mm-hmm. resource for gay men you should check it out or we should go but it it's i feel that awkwardness i, I still feel the awkwardness mm-hmm. surprisingly they're i guess not surprisingly they grew up in a different world than me but they're much more open about these things especially my sister she'll directly confront my parents about their perceptions of her or sex or she'll she'll bring up mm-hmm. her period like oh i'm on my period and it's, this is bothering me about it where i was very shy about the whole thing i would never bring it up i would ke- try mm-hmm. to keep it a secret from everyone because I, I just felt i felt dirty and my sister's very open about these mm-hmm. things so i hope to be a little more uh, more like them uh, yeah yeah just bring a little bit more compassion and it could just be a safe space for for them or for my little niece whenever they grow up or whenever she grows up. Yeah, definitely. Do you think the awkwardness and discomfort that you have um, talking with your younger siblings, do you think that's due to like an age gap? Are you much older than them? Or do you think it's just because the like the closeness uh i think it's probably both i well maybe not the close i feel pretty close to them but we do have a quite a bit of an age gap i am 13 years older than my sister Mm. um so there's that and yeah i think that's part that's probably the main thing i don't know if i were in their same age range that i would feel more comfortable probably because i would have grown up um with more access to to resources and information and less secluded less sheltered so it's probably just partly the 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 age gap thing yeah got it oh i was just gonna say that the age gap and just growing up very sheltered for a very long time, I was, like, the only girl in the family and expected to be the perfect daughter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A lot of pressure with being the oldest daughter, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, how did your experience um, with sex and sexual health affect your dating relationships? Uh, when I was dating guys, I was very afraid because I've heard all these uh, things about sex. Like the first time you have sex, you're going to bleed and it's going to hurt really bad. So I was always dreading that. Like I, I dreaded the, the time when the time came and I had to have sex with a man. Uh, so I just imagined the worst based on all these things I'd heard. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I wasn't, I, I was never prepared for, I never had sex with a man, thankfully, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but with women, I was completely unprepared because there's lack of sexual education in general. And then of course there's no gay sex education in schools, in the public schools, at least that I attended. 
Um, and I went through a ton of schools. Mm-hmm. So I never heard. I went to like, I don't know how many schools in my lifetime. I don't uh Probably like 10. Oh, my God. But I. Yeah, I was in a different school almost every year. Oh, wow. It was it was pretty terrible. Um, but I never received any comprehensive sex education. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in, in later stages, like in high school or anything. So I was completely... I wouldn't say by the time I started dating women, I had done my own research. I actually... I think I, I hyper-focused on sex um, because I, I lacked it. I lacked that education growing up. So when I started college, I started, um, I took a lot of sex education classes because I was just fascinated with it all. I wanted to learn everything there had to be uh, learned from about it. I ended up um, working at a... At a sex research lab mm. in college, and because I just wanted to learn, mm-hmm. I just I was just you know you you make a subject taboo, and of course you're gonna seek it, right? So that, I think that's what happened with me, um, and this all behind my parents' backs. <laughs> they couldn't have known that I was taking all these classes, uh, so I delved into it and learned as much as I could about the whole topic of and by the time I started dating women I had an idea of what happened mm-hmm. um of how you had quote unquote gay sex um so I wasn't completely surprised or shocked or anything but I was completely even despite all this all this uh, higher education about sex i i was still very shy when it came to it all um very embarrassed i still carried a lot of that Mm -hmm. that shame so it was a, a very slow introduction to to actual sex for me and it didn't help that, and at the time, I, I, I kind of knew it and kind of was questioning it, but it didn't help that at the, that I, I'm actually on the asexual spectrum. Mm. Um, basically asexual. Um, demisexual, if you want to get, like, technical about it. But, of course, that's another topic that, you know, another layer of of sex education that's not covered anywhere. Right. The sex and then gay sex and then the sexuality. It's just a whole lot to navigate. So it was just a very a turbulent time of finding things out on my own, finding my own resources and information. And and the whole time, you know, you're you're kind of going outside of all these boundaries that have been preset for you. So I was I was just not feeling all that great about it. Um, Say so was not the norm. I was outside of the norm in more than one way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned like asexuality and demisexuality, and even in some, you know, sex ed curricula, it it's it can be dismissed. I think. 
Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, or or it's like it's it's confused with celibacy. Yeah, that's um, something that actually came up when I was right before I started working for that sex lab. I went up to my professor who runs the sex lab, um, and started talking about you know any potential research on asexuality because i was like i think i might be and it was complete and this is a woman who has her phd who's in done multiple research studies and articles of books whatever so i regarded her opinion very very highly uh, but i was immediately dismissed as oh you just haven't tried it yet you'll find someone wow. you'll find someone and it'll and then you'll you'll learn that you're not asexual so i was very i was extremely dismissed mm-hmm. my sexuality yeah was was yeah basically just celibacy it was lack of experience it was taken as that um but no, I've had sex since then. It's definitely not that. <laughs> it exists. It's just a little misunderstood. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I hope, you know, in future um, sex ed curricula that we're able, you know, to talk about, um, you know, different sexual orientations because there's a whole spectrum of them. They're not always binary. Um, and, you know, the the students now have lots of questions about them. Um, so that's that gives me hope that young people are exposed to these terms and they're curious about them. Um, I just hope that they do get the right information um, because it's not in the curriculum or in a lot of curriculums, as you say. Um, and if, you know, educators don't have the right curriculum or knowledge or skills um they might not get this information but i am hopeful yeah especially in places like texas mm-hmm. it's sad but i thankfully i've seen a whole lot more open-mindedness than s- social media it's mm-hmm. just uh, there a lot of miseducation, but a lot of uh, proper education too. So, right, I think it is changing. I think eventually, or hopefully, schools will have to change to include more of these topics because, yeah, kids are expressing themselves more nowadays and. A, you, you can ignore it, but I don't think you can avoid it forever. Right. Well, any last words or hopes about sex, sexual health um, in our culture? No, just thank you for doing this podcast and for, you know, spearheading this. One of one of the people spearheading this this. <laughs> of education it's i think things like this are super important for for our community especially because yeah there's just a lack of education and or a lack of wanting to speak about it even if there's knowledge we don't really want to talk about it so i'm glad it's being talked about
Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk with me and, um, you know, talk to our listeners. And thank you to our listeners for staying with us. We hope you liked this week's plática. We'd love to hear about y'all's experiences with sex ed too. So follow us on Instagram at sexwithdoloeso to ask all of your sex questions. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, make good choices. <laughs>